Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's lift our hands and lift our voices to him. He's worthy tonight. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on. Let there be a shout in this room. We can't praise him enough. We can't magnify him enough. He's the only one worthy of the praise and the glory. Come on, why don't somebody shout hallelujah? Come on, shout hallelujah. Praise his name. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out. Thank God for saving me. Oh, clap your hands again and give him a praise. Amen, amen. The book of Genesis chapter 44, verse 18. Thank you, Brother Duncan. Brother Rima Duncan for that powerful word from the Lord. So glad to know you. Amen. Thankful for what we feel in this room tonight. Appreciate this committee to the Mangan family. Love you very much. To my beautiful wife, Cindy. I sure love you. I can't remember when we first met because they said we were just toddlers. But I can't remember ever a time in my life I haven't loved you. Thankful for you. They said every time we get together, I'd chase around and kiss her. I'm still chasing around. Amen. <laughs> Genesis 44 and 18. Then Judah came near unto him. Somebody shout Judah. Judah. I feel a praise in this building. I really do. I feel like there's going to be a shout that happens in this building. They're going to get a praise that comes out of your heart. It's going to trigger something in the spirit and heaven's going to respond here in just the next few moments. There really is. Anybody feel like you got a praise down deep in your soul? I know we've danced. I know we've shouted. But I feel like some people are going to get drunk in the Holy Ghost tonight before you leave here. If you believe it, shout amen. Then Judah came near unto him, speaking, speaking of Joseph, who at the setting of the text is now the governor of Egypt. I would say that he was also father to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You also find out he was really the Lord of the harvest. I want somebody to shout the harvest. The harvest. Then Judah came near to him and said, Oh, my Lord. Let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears. And let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. He said something so specific. That Joseph, who was the Lord of the harvest, the governor of Egypt, a father to Pharaoh, in chapter 45, verse 1, who had been made a stranger to his brothers, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. They had been in his presence. They had eaten from the provision which he had provided. They had heard his voice except through a Hebrew interpreter. They had been in his presence. They had eaten his provision. They had had conversations with him, but they didn't know who he was. But when Judah spake, it caused him to reveal to him, 
to them what his plan was and what his name is. And I believe in this end time. We're living in the end time. I mean, agree with me, we are living in the end time. And I believe Joel prophesied about the end time. And before you're seated, I just want to speak about the end time. We are going to see the greatest outpouring of the Spirit. I believe globally, but let me say in all of North America, God has given me a word. I believe he's going to fill millions of people with the Holy Ghost in North America before the trumpet sounds. If you believe it, I want you to agree with me right now and shout. Come on, you better get ready. It's, a, it's happening. There's a great harvest. There's a great harvest. The sons and daughters are going to prophesy. The old men are going to dream dreams. The young men are going to see visions. The servants and the handmaidens are going to be a part of it. Let me just say this before you're seated. It's going to include everybody, every ethnicity, every language. The old, the young, the boys and the girls, the men and the women. It's everybody. Everybody's going to get involved in this end time harvest. We need everybody. Everybody laboring in the harvest. Somebody shout yes. yes. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to preach to you. Let Judah speak. Come on, high five two or three people. Tell them, say, let Judah speak. One more time, shout a hallelujah praise to him. You may be seated. The king had a dream. He had a dream of, sounds like more like a nightmare, seven fat cows been eaten by seven skinny cows. No wonder he woke up disturbed. He had a second dream of seven ears of corn that were full being eaten by seven thin ears of corn. He didn't know what the interpretation was. God had only given him a dream, but not the interpretation. I submit to this congregation tonight, and it might sound out of context according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when the scripture tells us that we look through the glass darkly. We know in part. How many believe we know in part? I believe it's out of context, but I believe the principle remains is that God will never give a man all of it. He will give him part of it. Because if God would give us all of it, we would have a reason to glory in our flesh. But no flesh shall glory in his presence. We need one another. We are members in particular. And I believe some of you have come with part of what God has given you. But I believe in this meeting, in this day and tomorrow and what we've had yesterday, I believe God's going to give you the other part. Oh, amen. I'm going to say here, we need one another. I heard it said not too long ago that Eve's fallen nature was to be aggressive or to take authority. That Adam's fallen nature was to be passive. Probably some truth to that. 
But what is the fallen nature of preachers? I'll tell you tonight, it is isolation. It is the fallen nature of preachers that when the devil attacks, we hide from that which we are dealing with. The devil's trying to put preachers in the corner. But I come to tell you tonight, you need to run to the conference. You need to be at because of the times. You need to be at meetings where you can be embraced by your brother or sister. You've walked in this building. Yes, God has given you a dream. But he's given somebody else the interpretation. I'll go on and say that not only does he not just give man a part, he will only give a church a part. There is no church that will have all of it. There's not even a district that will have all of it. I don't even know if an organization can have all of it. But when I come to preach tonight, no generation is going to have all of it. They're going to have part of it. But God's going to give two generations, one one part and the other the other part. That's why old men are going to dream dreams. And yes, the young men are going to see visions. We're not doing this by ourselves in just one generation. We need the old and we need the young. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. That's why we need meetings where we can impart the missing part. So the king had a dream, but the problem is he only has half of it. He only has a portion of it. He only has part of it. But what you find is that he's not the only one that had a dream. Some 13 years before, there was a Hebrew boy by the name of Joseph who also had a dream about a harvest. It was also a twofold dream that had one meaning. And in his dream, his brother's sheaves bowed down to him. He made a mistake because he told his brothers. They didn't want to hear about his dream. It's possible if one of the other ones would have had a dream, they would have embraced the dream. But they didn't like it when the youngest brother had the dream. He was wearing his daddy's coat. He had another dream about the sun, the moon, the stars, and bowed, and his father rebuked him for it. They didn't understand what was going on. His dream got him kicked out of the family. They got so angry one day when Joseph came down to the harvest field. They got so angry at Joseph when they saw him. Just look at him strutting down the road. Look at that coat upon him. I'd like to get my hands on that coat. I hate that coat. Look at him with that coat of many colors. Look at daddy's, daddy's pet. The father's best. Look at him. Just, just the closer he got, the angrier they came. And when they got their hands on it, they tore the coat off of him and threw him down in the pit. And they started talking about murder. I'm going to kill him. Let's just take his life. Reuben said, you better leave him alone. But Reuben leaves him with the mob brothers. And when they're thinking about killing, all of a sudden, there was a brother that stepped in. And his name was Judah. And he said, you know what, fellas? I don't think we ought to kill him because he's our blood. You know what we ought to do with him? Let's sell him. All my life when I've heard this story, I thought the brothers sold him into Egypt. But the reality is, is that the brothers wanted to kill him and end his future until Judah opened his mouth. 
It was the only thing that would content the angry brothers. It was when Judah opened up and said, let's not kill him. And the scripture says it contented them. I don't know about you, but if I was in a pit where there was no water in it, I got an angry mob over talking over top of me talking about killing me. Then all of, us, all of a sudden, one of them steps in and says, I don't think we ought to kill him. He's our brother. He's our blood. Let's just sell him. I think that being sold is a better deal than being killed. Can I get a witness from somebody? My point to you tonight is what role is it in Judah? Judah's role is simply this. Anytime Judah opens his mouth, future begins to happen at the scene. Anytime Judah starts speaking, future starts happening. Oh, his mother, his, his Leah, you'll find when Judah was born. When he was born, she said, now will I. Oh, help me right now. Somebody shout praise the Lord. But what you have to realize, his brother next to him who was Levi when he was born, when she birthed the Levitical priesthood, when she gave birth to Levi, he wasn't just born. He was born and his mother started prophesying. And she said, my husband shall be joined unto me. I come to tell you right now that a very close brother to Judah is prophecy. That's why the Levites came out of a prophetic mother. And every preacher in this room, there's something wrong with us when we can't prophesy over dead things, over dead situations. Brother Duncan, there ought to be a prophecy in us that says, yes, I've been hated. Come on. Yes, I've been afflicted. But when Levi is born, something great's about to happen. There's something about to turn around. There's something about to change. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I come to prophesy to somebody. It's over. It's over. God's getting ready to bring something good out of your situation. I realize you've been afflicted. I realize you've been afflicted. I realize you've been hated, but I hear the voice of a church. I hear the voice of a mother saying, it's not over yet. It's not over Somebody shout Judah. Judah. Anytime Judah starts speaking, future starts happening. What does it mean? We preached it so many times about the voice of Judah or just simply praise. That's exactly what we've got to embrace here tonight. Some of you are one praise away from a future. You're one praise away from a prophecy. You're one praise away from a gift coming out of the, out of the spirit into your spirit. We're... My grandmother, I sat beside her in church on this side of the church. She sat there. She, was, she had big white hair. My mother sat behind her so she could flick me on the ears. You know, that's why they stick out a little bit. She could, she could flick me on the ears when I wasn't paying attention. But in some of those apostolic services, they start singing some of those old songs. And I could hear in my grandmother her start going, ooh. You have any ooh in you? Ooh. But it didn't stop. It just kept on going. It was, it was like a pressure cooker that just kept building up. And ooh. ooh. When she hit that, she got out of the aisle. And she started going with these numbers. 
It looked crazy. People that would have looked at it would have mocked it. What in the world is she doing? She's letting Judah speak. And I can't explain it, but growing up every time she started dancing, I felt something come out of the spirit of heaven and fall upon me. Why? Because Judah always brings the presence of God. She wasn't raised Pentecostal. She was raised in another denomination. And in a conversation with her at one point talking about the Pentecostal worship, the Pentecostal dancing, the Pentecostal shout. I talked to her and she said, Aaron, I remember when I was a little girl and they believed in the church I went to up in the, ho- in, up in the holler, she called it. Coal mining country. She said, I remember in the church I went to that they would dance and she said, I'd pick up the bobby pins off the floor. She said, but I also remember the business meeting they had. And they got them and said, we don't want any more dancing in the spirit. We don't want any more shouting in the church. We don't want any more of that. We just want you to be reserved and listen to the word. She said, Aaron, she, said, she called me little Aaron. Little Aaron, when they did that, it killed the church. She said, the young people left, the attendance dropped, and chaos broke out in the church. But on some evening service at a revival to Pentecostal church, what they had stopped in her church was still alive in the apostolic church. We need you. Can I just tell you what I believe tonight? The Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We ought to come in with Judah speaking. We ought to come in praising his name. But Brother Pamer, I believe it's not just something we do. I believe the door is a principle. What it's saying is when you start praising him, you enter into another dimension. When you start praising him, you enter into his presence where anything is possible. Goliath had a lot of bad things to say, but there's one thing good he did say. And Goliath said this. He stood in... Ephesdemim in Judah, crying out, send me a man to fight. Everybody hid. He was standing in Judah, and this is what he said. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving upon me right now. He said this. He said, if I conquer you here, you will all be servants to us. And what he was saying was, if I ever conquer your Judah, he said, I will have dominion over your, over your nation. But that's not all he said. He went on to say, but if you conquer me at Judah, we will be subservient to you. I come to tell you, we need a good old-fashioned dancing service. Get some Judah going on. It'll give us dominion. I think you ought to try that just for a minute. Would you do that? Start praising him. You feel that? That's what Judah brings. It's the glory. It's the glory of God. Don't stop. I want you to praise him for a minute. Somebody leap for joy. Somebody dance for just a moment. Somebody shout. Come on, I think you ought to lift your voice and just praise him. You've been good to me. You've... 
need you worshiping. We need you dancing. It's not. It should be a doctrine in the apostolic church. I brought somebody to the church one time. I was just a 19-year-old preacher. Invited her to come to a conference with me from Shoney's. Came in there. Some choir was up singing in West Virginia District. And this lady started throwing a fit. You know what I'm talking about. And she said, what in the world is she doing? I said, I have no idea. I said, but I would imagine somewhere on the road journey of her life, there was something she didn't know what to do. But when prayer was made, God did what she could not get done. (laughs) Anybody in the building, just for a moment, I'll move on. But is there anybody in the building right now that says, I got a reason to praise him. I got a reason to lift up my voice. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in time. And I'm going to praise his name. He saved me just the same. Come on, some of you have shackles falling off right now. God's giving you dominion. Come on, preacher. Come on, preacher's wife. There's deliverance in here. There's deliverance. Come on, praise him. I feel the prophetic word in this room. Praise him. Judah always brings life. Judah always brings future. Now, before this service is over, there's going to be a prophetic word that operates in this building. He's going to speak collectively to us. And the Lord's going to put something in your spirit for somebody else. And I feel it happening right now. The gifts are going to be poured out and the gifts are going to operate. Do you believe that? Somebody's walking out free. Come on, preacher's wife. Depression's going to leave you. Come on, you don't know why you've been battling the spirit of infirmity. But when you started getting dominion in that city, the devil tried to attack you because he knew that you was making a roadway into his kingdom. But guess what? If the Father didn't put it on me, Jesus said if the Father didn't put it in you, then he'll uproot it from you. Hey, devil, you can't keep me. You can't hold me. God's about to set me free tonight. I'm coming out of here to live. I'm going to get my joy back. I'm going to get my dance back. I'm going to get my prayer life back. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your hands and shout. But I really believe I'm preaching to the choir. I really believe we practice what I'm preaching. I just thought I would remind us. Be seated for a moment. But that's not really the point of my message. 
It just feels good. <laughs> Can I get a witness from somebody? You didn't come here to fall asleep. You didn't come here to fold your arms. Come on, you come to magnify him. Have you felt that deliverance? Come on, anybody felt deliverance in this room? Come on, has anybody felt the freedom and liberty? Don't kill him, sell him. And Joseph heard a voice. If somebody's going to kill me and somebody said, let him go, I think I'd probably have that voice impressioned into my spirit. They were going to kill me. But he said, let him go. They sold him into Egypt. He ends up CEO of Potiphar's estates. All of his businesses, things seem to be going pretty good. He gets false accused, ends up in prison. He starts interpreting dreams. He said, interpretations belong to the Lord. I'm not so convinced he even knew what the interpretation of his dream was. But the butler, who had been restored to the word of Joseph. That's a major part of our end time harvest. I can't move on. I need to obey the Holy Ghost. God's going to bring restoration to the church like we've never seen before. I, I feel hesitance. But the Bible says, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. I don't have an agenda. I'm just telling what I feel in my spirit. I believe we're going to see more backsliders than we've ever seen before. If we will open the door, they're going to run back to the church. Sunday night, our evangelist Shane Burns was preaching. He said, I came to preach to two people. Two backsliders there. He didn't know who they were. He's just a guest preacher. Preaching about bread. He walked up right to one of them, didn't even know him. And he said, here's the bread that God has for you. When it did something come over me, I took off running. I ran all the way to the back corner. I ran to him. You know why? Because the only place in Scripture I find the father running was to a prodigal. What I'm saying, if we can open our spirit to restoration in our communities and realize before he comes, there's going to be a gathering of those that are still his. Jeremiah said, I am married to the backside. Are there any mamas or any daddies in here, any grandparents that said, that's my baby I've been praying for. I come to tell you, they're coming home. Be seated. I got to move. I got to move on. He restored the butler the butler has a conversation with the king after the dream. He said, I know a man. He's in the jail. He can tell you about your dream. When he gets him, he brings Joseph to the front. Gets him all cleaned up. Brings him before the king. And the king told him about all the fat and skinny cows. Told him about the ears of corn. And Joseph said, it's two dreams. Because God's establishing one word. Hear me now. There's about to be a harvest. Like you've never seen. You've never experienced anything like you're about to experience. I know you celebrated the 60s and the 70s, but you've not seen anything like the end time harvest. 
you've had some good crops in the past, but you ain't never seen anything like you're about to see. God has told me that there's about to be a heart. You can't do things the way you've been doing it. Come on, you can't. You're going to have to build some storehouses. You're going to have to take 20%, 20% of the harvest and set it back every year for seven years to sustain the dirt. What it was. There's about to be a harvest. Can there be a witness in the building right now? Do you believe what I'm telling you is true? If you do, I want you to shout amen. He didn't only, Brother Cheryl, have the interpretation. He had instruction. Thank God for prophecy. But we need a word of wisdom. And God is going to raise up among us people with administrative gifting. They're going to teach us how to sustain an end time harvest. Come on, I need a witness to help me preach this right now. Thank God for prophecy. Thank God for interpretation. But interpretation without instruction causes lack of execution. But I feel among us, we got some people with interpretations, but there's another part in the building that has the instruction that's going to allow us to fulfill the harvest that God has called us to fulfill. Be seated. I'm going to tell you something else. The harvest is not going to happen in Canaan land. It's going to happen in Egypt. And maybe the reason some of you are dealing with the dearth in your church building because God's trying to teach you that the harvest doesn't happen on Sunday. It happens Monday through Saturday. celebrating Sunday results and start on Sunday celebrating Monday through Saturday results. And that's the word I feel for tonight. We're going to see a harvest Monday through Sunday. Not just on Sunday evening. Come on somebody, shout that. I feel instruction. I feel a plan coming on. He's going to give you favor. Lift your hands. Come on, it's dropping on you right now. The Lord's going to give you faith in your city. He's going to give you favor in your community. But you can't expect it to happen on Sunday. Get involved in your community. Can you feel what I feel? How about up in the balcony? Can you feel it? There's a harvest happening. There's a harvest happening. I'm going to say it again. I was walking across the platform of my church and the Lord stopped me in my prayer time. And he said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on North America. And I'm going to fill millions. Millions. Be seated a moment. i got to move on. Watch this. Somebody shout millions. Not going to get it with a three-day revival. Three people getting the Holy Ghost. Get the storehouses built. They go into seven years of harvest like they've never experienced. 
shows us the Lord of the harvest. Two years into the famine, guess who shows up? Hebrews. They get a hold of Joseph and say, we got some people from Canaan land. And they're hungry. They're looking pretty peaked. You thought I was talking about your neighbor, but I was talking about you. Amen. Looking pretty peaked. Joseph goes out. I don't know how you picture him, but I picture the Egypt, you know. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You know, you know he's got headgear on. When they show up, that's my brothers. And in his mind, he goes back. Being the youngest in the family. And when he told them that something God gave him, they didn't believe him. They tried to kill his dream. Let's see what happens to the dreamer now. So he doesn't trust them. So what he does, he's going to test them. And the Bible says that he made himself a stranger to them. So he speaks through an interpreter from the English language, interprets through the Hebrew language to his brothers. He gives them food, gives them the corn. He puts their money back in the bag. And he keeps his one brother as a prisoner. And this is what he says. And I hope we can embrace it. He said, if you don't bring your youngest brother with you, you'll never see my face. If you don't bring the youngest, you won't see my face. Well, they got the long face going home, feeling like they're going to be punished because of what they did to their youngest brother. But when they arrive home and tell Jacob, who's holding Benjamin near him, they said, Dad, here's the... Look at there. We got, up and got the money back. But Dad, at some point, we're going to need more of this harvest. But Dad, there's a problem. We can't go unless you let Benjamin go. He said, I'm not letting him go. He's staying right here. If something happens to my only boy that I got from Rachel, because Joseph is dead, I'll die if I lose him. But dad, if you hold him, you're not going to have the harvest. If you hold the youngest, you're not going to see the harvest. The governor of the harvest said to bring the youngest with you. They convinced him. Guess who convinced him? Judah. Let him go. Watch what he says. I am surety for the lad. Hey, daddy, I'm going to take care of him. I give you my word. He's got a future. There's a future in Benjamin. Just trust me with him. Just put the young preacher in my life. Trust him with me. He's going to have a future with me. We can't have the harvest if we don't have the youngest. Just, just trust him with me. I, we, 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 just, just trust me with the youngest. I'm not going to hold him because I'm going to be afraid he's going to die. No, 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 no. There's a harvest that's been spoken by the Lord. we got to get the youngest involved. That's what I feel to preach to you right now. we got to get everybody involved. I'm glad for our elders. I'm glad for our bishops. Come on, I'm glad for everybody. But I believe there's a revival even among our children. Come on, the Holy Ghost is going to fall so strong in our churches that our eight-year-olds are going to start prophesying. God's going to start using them. 
Hey, Brother Huntley, I hope you don't mind me sharing a story. I just got off my notes. He had a delay in Atlanta, and I got a sermon. <laughs> I was sitting at the gate just across. You know, when you see Brother Huntley in the airport, you think, the Lord's been good to me. I started asking questions because that's what I do. I said, he talked about being with O.R. Foss for a period of time. I love O.R. Foss is preaching. Supernatural. My generation's hungry for the supernatural. Hang with me for a minute. The Holy Ghost is about to show up here in a mighty way. You believe that? I said, tell me about the false. I said, was he always that convicting? Death angels walking in the room. Come on. How many remember as a kid, they said, bow your head and close your eyes. You're afraid to open the eyelid, God's going to kill you. Come on, can anybody know what I'm talking about? You open your eyelids, somebody's not going to go to the altar, and you're going to be lost. The blood's going to be on your hands. I said, tell me about Brother Foss. I said, it was all. He said, every time. But one night, he gave an altar call. And nobody responded. And said, a little kid went and got a Bible, eight years old, and walked across the aisle. And he'd walk up to somebody and give them a word, Sister Gleason. And that person would run to the altar. He'd walk on the other side of the aisle. Just an eight-year-old boy because the harvest is bigger than maturity. And God's not going to wait on him to graduate from Bible college before he starts using him. I just feel to say it. He... They don't have to sit on a seat for two and a half, three years. He told the king, he said, God's getting ready to do a fast work. I come to tell you when they got the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts in some places they started speaking in tongues and prophesying be seated a moment I'm almost finished young preachers dad my daddy oh I love my daddy wish he'd be here the cox he couldn't come out of surgery hard to travel he let me preach when I was 11 years old next year will be 30 years since I've been I get up there, preach before my dad. First time I preached from a pastor, Brother Hurley. I preached, I don't know, just a few minutes. I said, that's all I got. And the anchor church wishes that's all I had. I remember one time I have about 10 pages of notes. I don't know how page 3 got mixed up with page 7. Verse, page 10 got mixed up with page 4. I got real quiet. I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden from the crowd I heard, help him, Jesus. Somewhere in the building. Bless him, Lord. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I was just a young van. I was traveling to Mississippi. I was 18 years old. Brother Josh Hodum. Where you at, Brother Josh? Stand up. One of the finest Christians I know. Brother Josh, went and preached for your dad. I was convinced hearing your daddy preach that he had the Bible memorized. Stay in your house. Stay down the hallway from your bedroom there. Your mama fixed chocolate gravy in the mornings and biscuits. That's going to be on the marriage supper table of the lamb. And Tim Horton's coffee. Bluebell ice cream. I need, to, I need to move on. Food demons are starting to attack me in the pulpit. I'd go to bed. He'd be up reading his Bible. Gary Holdem. 
I get up at daybreak to go pray. He'd be sitting beside the same chair, by the same light, reading his Bible. I felt guilty for sleeping. <laughs> First night of revival, I got up to preach. I was 18. I had to do homework in between Sunday services. <laughs> I got to preach, trying to figure out how in the last minute I preached, I had Moses in Noah's Ark. And it was just tongue got tied. I don't know what happened. I started preaching. I was doing terrible. But from behind me, go on and preach that. Ain't nobody preached it like that. You preach that, boy. Go on and preach. Brother Mangan, when I got finished preaching, he said, won't you, I like that message, won't you just preach that every night of revival this week? I knew I had dropped my watermelon. I had dropped the ball. Nobody's going to come to revival the next night because I failed, because I'm the youngest and I'm immature and I don't know what I'm doing. But when he opened his mouth as a Judah and he started praising that young preacher, I can't explain it, but it marinated into my spirit. It made me want to get back in the pulpit and declare the name of the Lord. I come to tell somebody, they're not going to be perfect, but let Judah speak. They're not going to do it perfect, but open your mouth and say, come on, preacher. Come on, man of God. Brother Sistrunk, I don't know what I preached on Tuesday. I made a mess on Monday. But what I do remember is the entire congregation, it erupted in praise, out running, dancing, people getting the Holy Ghost. Because if I could just believe in myself, because an elder believes in me, the faith's gonna elevate me to a dimension of faith in him. I come to tell some preacher, don't you quit. You are a man of God. God's got a work for you to do. He's not done just because you've had affliction. People been hating on you. God's got a plan. God's got a work. Somebody shout yes. yes. Woo! Let Judah speak. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking good. Come on, turn around, lay your hand on your neighbor, say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, speak the name of Jesus over him. Come on, jump your feet all over the building. Jump to the feet. I'm almost done. Come on, get up again. Get up again. It's happening right now. The Lord is bringing healing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remain standing all over the building. Clap your hands and shout again.
We don't even need, only need you to speak to God. We need you to speak to one another. Come on, you had to call a neighbor and pastor. Say, I'm glad I heard about people getting the Holy Ghost. I believe in what you're doing. Come on, tell four or five people, I believe in you. Brother Graham, I believe in you. I believe in you. When you begin to dance tonight, shackles are going to fall off of you in your ministry. Benjamin shows up, remains standing. Benjamin shows up when he sees Benjamin. When he sees the youngest. Just to step aside because it all stirred up because he remembers how they treated him when he was the youngest. I love the Apostle Paul because he looked at a young man, Timothy, and he said, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was laying on the hands Laid on by the hands of the presbytery. But he goes before that. He said, watch, 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 watch. Be thou an example of the believers. What he was saying is, we trust the reputation of the whole church on you. And he looks at men that have rejected him. And he decides to test them. He puts them in a room and serves them a good meal. But he gives Benjamin the youngest five times as much. Let's see what they do with his favor. But the Bible says something must have changed because they were merry with him. They just rejoiced for the young brother. I'm I'm almost done. All of a sudden, Brother Morgan, he tricks him, puts his cup in Benjamin's bag because he knew it would bring him back. And when he puts the cup in, they come back. He accuses him of theft. And he says, you're going to jail. It's Madison, right? Come here, you're going to jail. Come on, Benjamin. You're going to jail. Stealing from the king. What in the world? And he makes a big fuss. And all of a sudden, when he's going to imprison him, guess who shows up? Judah. Hold on. Hold on, governor. I got something I got to say. I've got a a pact with the Father. I made a covenant with the Father. I am surety for the lad. Watch this. Let the lad go. I'll go to prison for him. There's a future inside of him. Brother Gleason, when the elder made room for the younger, Joseph, the governor, the lord of the harvest, couldn't stand it anymore. He said, all the Egyptians, get out of the room. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm your your brother. And guess what? I got a plan for you. I'm not your stranger. I am Joseph. God's about to reveal himself in this meeting. God's about to unveil what he's getting ready to do in North America. I'm talking about tonight God's getting ready to unveil something to the church. But he needs to know, will you let everybody be involved? Lift your hands and lift your voice and shout.
to the Lord. Go on. Praise Him. Now here's what we're going to do. I can speak for my generation, I believe. I'm 40. And I think I can speak for a majority of them. We are so hungry for what you have. We know there's a harvest. God has revealed to us some things. But we also know we don't have it all. I need what you have I need the voice of an elder I need the impartation of an elder and in this room there's some young men and young ladies that's going to walk out of here with what your elders have There's an angel standing on this platform with me right now. And there's a host of angels in this room that have gifts in their hands waiting on you to believe that he's going to give you something you've never had before. But he's waiting on you to operate in faith. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands and receive. There's going to come revelation. There's going to come gifts of the Spirit. Come on, all over the building. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your voices. The Holy Ghost is here. He's going to empower you to operate in signs and wonders and miracles. Come on, don't stop. Lift your voices. Come on, lift your hands and say, I'm hungry for the supernatural. Come on, Judas is about to introduce you to Goshen. Come on, just take a minute, the Holy Ghost, the heart's being prepared to receive from the Lord right now. Come here, Brother Chuck Carr, run up here with me. Brother Chuck Carr, run. I 
felt like God gave this to me at 6.30 this morning. Can you see what I am doing? Did I not promise you that your sons and daughters would prophesy? My body is not waxing old, neither am I growing weak. Through this generation, I will show myself strong and do great exploits. Stand still no longer and become once again the movement I ordained you to be. Be not divided and I will do exceeding abundantly more than your old men can dream and your young men can envision. And nothing shall be able to restrain you from doing what I have put in your hearts to accomplish. All the 40 and under, I want you to come. Come as close as you can. All the 70 and older, come on to the platform. All the 40 and under, I want you to reserve a vacuum in your spirit right now. Come on, get as close as you can. Now open your spirit. Get as close as you can, the 40 and under, the 70 and older on the platform. Come on, if you're up here in the front, lift your voice. Let the hunger be known to the Lord. Let your spirit be open to God. Come on, the 70 and older, come up here. for a moment God is going to impart supernatural gifts tonight 
I wasn't even born in the 50s and 60s. I wasn't born in 1978. And when the gifts were poured out, people started doing their own thing without spiritual covering. But we have been well trained and taught on biblical authority. On having a pastor in our life. A covering in our world. And I believe tonight that the Lord is going to entrust in you because you are going to be submitted to the pastor in your life. Let there be an amen from this congregation. The Lord is here to impart his spiritual gifts to this generation. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You will have a word of wisdom. You will have a word of knowledge. He's going to give you discernment of spirit. All of the 40 and under shout amen if you believe it. Elders, do you believe that God is going to put his spiritual giftings that are in you in them tonight? How about the congregation? Let Judah speak. Come up here with me. It's going to happen all over this building. I want you to lift your hands. Okay. Lift your hands. By the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. Let the gifts of the Spirit be imparted by our elders tonight. In the name of Jesus, receive ye of the Lord. Go ahead, elders, mingle among them and lay hands on them. The Lord's going to impart through you. Walk among them. Lay hands upon them. Come on, you ladies of God. The Lord's pouring His Spirit upon you.
going to speak to you through prophecy tonight.
Now would you turn and lay hands on one another, 40 and under, man to man, lady to lady. Now y'all impart to one another the anointing of God's on you. There'll be a fresh anointing on you. That's it. Turn to one another and pray for each other right now. Speak a word over each other right now. Speak a word over each other right now. Every hand in the building lift. The Lord wants to do something for every individual in this building tonight. Come on, lift up Judah right now. Come on, Judah, lift your voice. The Holy Ghost is visiting you. In Judah is God known. Every hand lifted, every voice lifted. Lift up your heart. Jesus, receive ye the word of the Lord. Let visions, let visions be imparted. Let a word of prophecy be received tonight.
Lift your hands and begin to speak in tongues. Come on, all over this building, begin to pray in tongues. Come on, let your spirit begin to pray. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice aloud. Begin to pray in the heavenly language right now. Don't stop. Let your spirit overflow in the spirit. Come on, don't stop. Every lady in the building, lift your hands and receive of the Lord. God's going to do a mighty work for you as well. Come on, it was Aquila and Priscilla. Open your faith and say, God, I'm asking earnestly for the best gifts. Come on, right now, every lady in the building, begin to open your heart to what the Lord is doing. Use me, Father. 